Talk Speedway. Talk Speedway. Hello and welcome to Bite Size with the Talk Speedway podcast. Uh, of course, with us uh, for what we could call, Graham, the new series, because we're into a new year. Uh, I think we had a fairly successful 2020, considering we filled the time with no racing, managed to slaver on a bit, managed to squeeze in some Polish racing, um, maybe some GPs, etc. But uh, we're back in 2021, and we're back with a new show, Bite Size. Of course, we did have uh, Kelvin Tatum on at the tail end of last year, promoting his book, and Mr Ian Brannon for the Humans of Speedway. Uh, but Graham and I are delighted to introduce to you Mr Scott Courtney, easily one of the coolest dudes uh, within British Speedway, in my opinion, and it's the only time you'll ever hear me use the word dude on this podcast um, but uh, this podcast is much as the AGM is going on round about this at the moment um, and there has been some news released we will do an AGM special next week with some special guests there uh, so we'll steer away for the politics for this week. Uh, Scott we did have some questions about that but I'll manage to just steer clear of them, manage to make sure that you didn't get any type of questions uh, but it's brilliant that you're joining us for our first bite size of 2021. Now, thanks for having us, guys. It's a pleasure to to do this for you guys. I'm a big fan of the show, so so nice to be to be on board. And and we found that out as well because you did a bit for us um, before our, our Bruce Pennell, our anniversary show with Bruce Pennell. Obviously, a bit of a fanboy with with, with, with Bruce as well. There, Scotty, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, when I when you touch base with me that he's coming on the show, I was like, oh my god, he's. Uh, such a hero but the crazy thing is he finished racing before i was even born but i think he, he, he just had such a an influence on the sport that, that lived on and still does to this day and uh now it was an honor to, to put some words together it was it was pretty heavy on the uh fanboy angle but, uh, <laughs> but now i i enjoyed doing it and, and like i say i i feel like you know what he brought to the sport was just phenomenal and uh and, and still lives on to this day and uh, have you modelled your life after Bruce Scott? Have you any stories uh, being on Hawaiian Islands with Playboy models to share? <laughs> well, <laughs> I've got a few uh, X-rated <laughs> stories, but maybe not for tonight. <laughs> nah, but I definitely, I definitely don't uh, sort of, you know, live a similar life to, to what Bruce did with uh, with his superstardom. Not at all. With uh, but no, nah, I, I do okay. But it's nothing to do with Hawaiian Islands and um, supermodels and all that. <laughs> Scott, when it comes to like kind of speedway, what I remember from when I was younger, before that we obviously worked together with Beric and a few other projects, etc. Um, when I first remember you racing, um, it was the tassels. I love the tassels. <laughs> I don't think there's enough tassels in speedway anymore. How did that come about? Where did, just to be different? Ah. Uh... Maybe not even to be different. It sounds a bit pathetic, really, but it was mostly copying Joe Screen. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he was the he was the guy, but I, I quickly realised I feel like you have to have some kind of a certain technique to get away with wearing tassels. I think it was a, a real leg back kind of wild man thing. And, and and the crazy thing is when it, when I got my tassels, I did have quite a bit of bottle, and then I got hurt a few times, and and I was bombing around my tassels at the back, and I thought, oh, this this isn't really cutting the mustard. So I, I did cut them off halfway through '99, I think it was. But uh, yeah, I, I never went with that. I did I did always joke about maybe wearing a cape. Um, I think there were certain, certain riders that, that could have got away with wearing a cape. I remember Les Collins would have been a, a real cape wearing rider. Oh, that would have been flying, past people. Right? Uh, but, uh, but no, the, the tassels were. Um, yeah, a bit of a fanboy thing as well. Joe Green was was the guy with his, his tassels. Although, if you you know want to go far enough back, I remember the Milton Hall team 
um, back in the 80s. They, they, I'm sure they all had tassels, um, like Mel Taylor, and they all had team ladders, and they all looked like a bunch of cowboys. But uh, and Dougie Wire as well. There's plenty of pictures of Dougie Wire with these tassels. But yeah, I was a, I was a screening fan at the time, and, and I went for the, for the tassels to try and make me go faster, and it didn't really work. <laughs> what did you do, Nathan? Well, it did. Yeah, kind of getting caught in the wind. <laughs> the, the, the speedway equivalent of a go faster stripe. That's what the tassels are. Uh, um, it's one of the things, though, Scott. Where actually, as much as we joke about it, there, it's it's probably something that's still in your your personality and what we've seen you involved in Berwick. And it, I'd say it's something that for you, Speedway is about fun and, and trying to bring the fun back into the sport. We see it at Berwick, where you know, you're there making sure the guys are in the truck with a beer after the match and getting that sort of camaraderie and stuff going. And and I guess that's something that, that maybe gets lost in certain ways in Speedway, but certainly you think should still be at the fore. Absolutely, you know. I mean, it, it's the place where we all probably have had our best sort of times of our life, you know, as, as far as having fun with our friends. And, and I think, you know, that's what it's all about to me. Um, you know, it's, it's not so much about sort of politics and averages and stuff like that. It's about, you know, being there and enjoying the experience with, with your friends and, and, and watching people progress as well. That's a, a big thing for me. You know, there's some of the boys that we've had right at Berwick that, that, you know, maybe came along when, when the careers maybe weren't on, on the right path and, and they turn things around, and and it, it for me that's amazing to see. I really enjoy that side of it, um, but also having fun. You know, I, I think that you work hard and play hard in life, and, and anything with the level of risk involved in speedway, I think uh, I think you've got to live your life as well. You know, if you don't want to be sort of miserable and and, and getting by and getting hurt and all that stuff, you wanna you wanna be having a good time when you're taking all those risks because you really don't know how long you you've got doing it really. Absolutely, but that, that was one of the things I was going to say to you because your your enthusiasm. I always say this as well is that you you see it as well because it's it's recognised because fans pick up in the fact that you how enthusiastic the guys are at Berwick, etc. Um, you see that from it's it's more I would say it's probably more opposing fans that can see that more because they're looking at their own kind of promotion at that point. They're kind of looking and seeing that everybody's kind of younger, a wee bit more enthusiastic. There seems to be more like kind of camaraderie at Berwick. I mean, when we spoke to David Howe in my life in Speedway, he was like, yeah, I wasn't involved in that. But I think that was due to the fact that you and Jamie uh, were drunk after a meeting at Scunthorpe. <laughs> and they thought, oh yeah, I could do a year at Berwick. That, that would work out. But that that's the, that's the thing. Sometimes the, the old-fashioned thing within the sport, and as we said before we came on, uh, the kind of working class element of the sport's kind of gone, really, isn't it? Even at the like, kind of championship level, where it probably should be like that, where guys are still working, but it's still weekend heroes, so to speak. Absolutely, you know, I think um, I think in many ways the sport has got more professional, certainly from the riders' perspective, um, and we've all had to to try and follow that. You know, I think the Grand Prix and and, and Poland have really set a standard when it comes to what's expected of riders, but I, th I still think that, 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 you know, our place in Britain, I think if we've got an opportunity to to rebuild British Speedway, I think, you know, we should try and focus on on that working class sort of thing that, that we really are and, um, and having a lot of fun with it and, you know, having interaction with our, our fans and our riders is a big thing as well. You know, that, that was a little bit lost. Um, certainly from when I raced, it was just the norm that you, you went and caught up with the fans and, stuff in the bar and you had a beer together and all that and and i understand why, why you can't necessarily do that all the time you know the more professional something gets 
the more is expected of you from from sponsors to be to be off to another event, you know, around the world and all that. But uh, but maybe this is a time for us to to focus back in on the the things that that made British Speedway kind of a lot of fun back in the day, you know. And um, you know, we just need to recognise where we're at and 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 then have a look where we want to be. But uh, but having fun and having a good time. We've got to do that. That's why we do it, you know, from riders, the fans, everything. We're there to have a good time. And it kind of it, it breeds its own sort of way of doing things, doesn't it? That There's that contagiousness to, to people that are seen to have that energy and that a bit of fun. And I think looking at some of the work you do, I know you maybe, and, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but a year or two back, you maybe stepped away a little bit from the day-to-day ins and outs at Berwick and we're, are focusing more on the, sort of the marketing side and try to push the club in that way. Um, and that can be injected into that as well. We we need to show Speedway as this kind of almost extreme sport in a way. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, to touch on sort of stepping back a little bit, I think I think you can just become so consumed with um, tackling all the, the, the behind-the-scenes stuff and the BSBA stuff and the running of it that you forget that, you know, you, you're there to try and see it prosper. And, and Speedway prospering is, is, you know, generating more fan you know, interaction and, and, and people coming along the speedway, people inviting people along that have never been before. And, you know, I, I was I was losing that bit of me a little bit because I was getting so absorbed with rules and regs and, and you know, BSPA stuff. And, you know, the, the finances of the club can be pretty overwhelming as well. You know, we're, we're all working class guys at Berwick. And, you know, I, I must add that although, you know, I, I, I do bring my enthusiasm, we're, we're a real team, myself, my brother, Flintley, Stevie Jews, Ian Ray, I mean, I could go on forever with, with Berwick, you know, the, the heart of Berwick is the people, you know, we're a real team and, and we all club together to to keep the club going, but um, but yeah, you know, I, I kind of really thought, right, you know, where, where's my strength in this? Because, you know, you shouldn't, I, I'm not above doing some of the jobs, the day-to-day jobs, but I did think to myself, right, if I'm going to be effective and if I'm going to, you know, get to the holiday camps and take riders up there to to meet fans to come along, I, I need to be on the ball to do that. I can't be the guy that that, that does all of that. And um, I think you know, a bit of a step back in 2019 helped me reassess where I can be of use to to Berwick. Really, um, you know, I've always got one eye on what I think is good for British Speedway and what's good for Berwick Speedway. It's not about just winning, you know, the league or anything like that with Berwick. I, I think we've all got to be in a good place as as, as a sport for us to prosper. Um, you know, there's nothing more tragic than when you see the likes of, you know, Rye House, sort of the, the stadium coming down there and, and, you know, a lot of these other clubs that have, have passed us by over the last few years. You know, we, we really want, in my opinion, to start looking after each other and, and making sure that we're all there to race one another because at the end of the day, without our opponents, we're nothing. And, uh, you know, the, the better we look after one another, the better chance we've got of being a strong product again. Absolutely. No, I'm... Um... Very aware that we're obviously having a couple of beers during this, Scott, here as well. So I'm going to ask you, do you, do you, do you miss having a do you miss having a crack, getting a leg over the bike and going for it? Because I know, uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, uh, Jamie, <laughs> Jamie had the mad cat thought of uh, putting his leg over the bike to have a go and probably done a lap. Not even at full belt and come back in and just went, nah, nah, you're all right, I'm not doing that. But do you, do you miss having a go? Um, do I miss it? There's there's bits of it that I miss, um, but honestly, I feel like it, Speedway is such a it's like a desire. Do you know what I mean? It, it's that you want to do well and you're working hard to do well. Um, 
actually riding the bike. I, I don't. I didn't really miss riding the bike in Britain. I miss going to America and riding on the ice. To be honest, that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, that was something was I was going to get into with you as well. With yeah, that yeah. And that. You know that that was that was a lot of fun on the bike. You know, you got a lot of satisfaction from the way the bike felt underneath you. There was a lot of tracks that I did love riding the bike at. Um, Somerset. Uh, Trelawney, places like that, you know, Sheffield even, not that I was particularly great around there, but, you know, I, I loved them sort of more momentum-based tracks, um, you know, almost like circle type of thing. They were a lot of fun to ride. Um, I, I, I kind of, you know, have the odd, I still have dreams, reoccurring <laughs> dreams of, of, of doing wheelies because I never really learned to wheelie because I was that scared of wrecking my bike and I never <laughs> won enough to worry about doing wheelies, but um I, I could, if the bike lifted, I could carry a wheelie on, but I, I do have these recurring dreams. So I, I might need to get up the Duns because the, the straights are really short and I could probably just pick it up for a couple of meters and make it look Oh, like the tassels wheelie. back on, Scotty. <laughs> tassels back on. One wheelie, oh. one photograph profile That's picture, it. done. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to put tassels on a hoodie because there's no Kevlars that are fitting me at the moment. <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about 16 stone at the moment. So, uh, so now I'll, um, I'll need to slim down a little bit. But I mean, I have jumped on the bike a few times at Dunn's um, and, and not done too bad, but after two and a half laps, even of a 125-meter track, I'm absolutely knackered. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't think you ever lose the feeling. And um, But I think the lifestyle is a big part of the speedway as well. I think uh, I think it's a mix of both, you know. I think the, the freedom that you have when you're, traveling around the tracks and you you know you're racing on a wednesday night and, and normally that you'd be working on a thursday but you, you're off to your next meeting and you know if you if you've been lucky enough to do that um obviously i've done it at a, a lower level really sort of you know third division and, and second division lower end of second division but it was it was fantastic when i look back to have that freedom and and you know i think that that's a a little bit of a nightmare to, to adjust to for the boys who have maybe done it for longer than i did i only rode for like eight seasons but to be honest, I was injured for five of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the lifestyle was a lot of fun. But, what, uh, but now, as far as what, that, was what was Jamie's thought process about getting back on the bike, though? Because obviously, the two you're very close. So he's oh, obviously put, ran this past you. What was his thought process? Because Jamie's very much. If he gets an idea in the head, I heard the golf club story, which I'm going to ask you about as well. <laughs> golf clubs, but he's very much if he gets an idea in his head, it's happening. There's no doubt about it. It's it will by hook or by crook, he'll make it happen. Well, it's a funny one this with Jamie's story of having another go, because I if he'd have ran it by me, I'd have probably been like, what a silly idea that would be. But the, so it was a it was a closed doors practice in lockdown. <laughs> And he knew that there wasn't going to be many people there, obviously. But it, I think it was the fact that we'd done the track adjustments at Berwick. And we'd both rode Berwick, you know, before the track adjustments. And Jamie had had some decent meetings around Berwick. I mean, I, I didn't really, when I went in the Premier League, I, I had fun on, on it in, back in the old Mike Hope days when I was riding in the, the Youth Development League and stuff. But, but Berwick is really, really narrow, but really fast. And it was like, oh, Jesus. You always had a little bit of a... A thing about it where you thought oh, it could just do that being a bit wider and i think that was his real thing where he thought i want to see what beric looks like on the bike with these new cars the way that especially he was instrumental in making that happen so he's got the motocross gear on and i think he was intending on riding his flat track bike which has brakes i might add and uh, <laughs> in, in, instead he, he said to kev kev he said oh can i can i jump on your bike and do a few laps and 
I might need to change the gearing. And Kev was like, nah, you'll be right with the gearing, mate. Just go with it. So Jamie's, <laughs> you know, Kev, Kev's the master of fuel field park. He rides it absolutely flat stick. And he's put Jamie, who's probably hovering around the 15 stone mark, a little bit lighter <laughs> than me. Um, he's jumped on Kev's bike with his, with his you know, championship gearing on. And I think he's he's dropped the clutch and he's got around the first and second corner and thought, oh, what am I doing? Um, but yeah, he, he pulled in and he, he he took it pretty well on the chin. But uh, no, we, we didn't really confer a lot before that because I definitely would have won them off it. Um, but I was I was doing the camera. I was on the second bend with my camera and I seen him roll out the pits and I thought, oh my God, what's he thinking? Oh, well. <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> I tell you what, Scott, never say never. We see some of the names that have announced in the last week or two they're coming back. You've still got plenty of years left in you compared to some of the boys we'll be seeing in the championship this year. <laughs> oh, steady on, Graham. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Nah, definitely not for me. Do you know, I've, I've, ne- I've never, since the, since the day I packed in, I've never thought I could go back and competitively race. You know, I, I felt like it, it was a strange one for me when I packed in because... I hadn't done one full season without one bad injury. Um, and and the, my last year was the, the first year that I'd actually done a whole season without getting hurt. And it was one of those, you know, get out in one piece type of feeling where I thought, right, if I leave now, you know, I'm, I'm out. I'm, <laughs> I'm home and dry. Um, so, nah, I, not at all. There's, there's no... There's no fear of uh, any any comebacks, unless there's a heavyweight division, of course. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> um, Scott, there's, um, uh, we've had a few messages. Uh, we'll go through them as we get through. Um, but John Short has messaged us on Facebook saying, w- what's your favourite kind of Speedway memory that you've got? Probably more kind of towards funny stories, really, I would imagine. Um, well, that's cool. Quite a few funny stories. Um, a favourite memory. It's a tough one, really. You know, I, I, I love my speedway, and I, you know, I have a lot of a lot of memories. Really, you know, I, I, there's not many meetings apart from when my friends got hurt, or, or I'd get hurt, or you know, something really bad would happen. That there wasn't many meetings I would leave and not think oh, I really enjoyed that. But I'd probably say like a combination of a couple of things. Um, being able to ride with my uncle Sean at Glasgow, my dad at Glasgow. And then my brother at Oxford, um, you know, all in the same same teams. That, that was cool looking back. Um, you know, as far as, mem- you know, proper memorable stuff. The, the first meeting I ever won on the ice in America, uh, that was that was fun because Kenny Olsen and Anthony Barlow were, were kind of the masters that year. And it was a really competitive season. There was Kev Little, uh, Gary Phelps and David Meldrum. You know, a few of the other boys were, were really competitive and all capable of winning the meetings. So... I uh, was pretty chuffed to get a win. Um, I had Kenny Olsen basically going down the back straight on the last lap with these spikes in his front tyre just riding up the back of my leg. And it looked like a dog had savaged my leg after the race. And I was like, I'm not letting you pass. But it's the last thing I do, I'm not letting you pass. And then um, I, I took my goggles off like a, you know, I thought it was Jeremy McGrath after the race, like a supercross rider and threw them in the crowd. And then realised I only had one pair of goggles. But like, one, of friends, one of my friends caught them in the crowd and gave me them back in the pits. Um, he was like, oh, there you go. You, you'll need them for tomorrow. And I was like, oh, they look cool. Fine. But, uh, no, that was a lot of fun. I think the, the boys chucked me in the nice pocket as well. Um, but I was I was proper proud of myself. And they were carrying me through the pits. And they found this big big old Budweiser box full of ice. This, this, you know, where they sell them in the arenas. Sell the beers in the arenas. And uh, they lobbed me in there. So... So no, that that was cool. It was it kind of meant 
you know, even though we don't get a lot of coverage over here of, of, of the ice race and stuff, you know, back then it was, it, it felt like something to, to win, to win one of those meetings. I never won the championship, but, you know, to win one of those events felt, felt pretty special because Kenny and, and, and Anthony Barlow were, were really at the top of the game. So I wanted to chuck a spoiler in there, but no, nah, you know, lots of good memories, but they're the two, you know, riding with my family in the same team and, um, and, and winning my first meeting in America was probably, you know, that felt like a pretty good thing. But uh, I could go on forever, by the way. You did say this was bite size. <laughs> I think this will be an extended one, Scott. I've had conversations with you on a phone. I don't think it'll be bite size somehow. No, maybe I can bring you back down to earth with a bump then, Scott. Another question we had was to Chris Black, um, who asked how you felt being pumped in a football game, albeit for a good cause, and if you're still haunted by the humiliation. Um, I assume that was the was that the Edinburgh Glasgow fundraiser for Ricky Ashworth. Yeah. For Ricky, yeah, it was, and we got proper pumped. By the way, by the way, like, can it, I just it, say, uh, Fre- Framey was in the middle of the park pulling the strings. I <laughs> <laughs> could you could get into the penalty box. I was refereeing. I was the guy in the middle of the park just spraying balls about. They, they called me the sprinkler after it. I was the guy who said it to the park. <laughs> <laughs> I was the one that set up. I don't know. Remember him. Um, Big uh, Andrew, Andrew Jeffrey. We didn't even have a strap. Oh, um, he brought his own strap. And uh, I can't even who I took the ball off. It was on the, on the left wing. And I just remember seeing him kind of floating through the middle of the park. And I've played him. <laughs> Trundling. I played him in and he just slewed the ball right into the top corner and then everybody went nuts at that point. Because uh, Andrew basically, that was a good he goal. basically ran that. He he basically organised near enough the full thing for that, and it was it was brilliant. It, it was great to play in something like that. But I would give you a proper hiding that day as well. Oh man, we 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 got absolutely savage. That's, that, I was actually a pretty handy goalkeeper back in the day, and I think we were about ten minutes in, and I I think I'd conceded about three or four, and I <laughs> and I was like I, I proper lost my shit. I was like right, I'm I'm coming out of goal, and and I just launch myself around like the dirtiest defender you could you could find but I, what was funny was i had a pair of cheryl's tights my wife's tights on under <laughs> my shorts thinking we were playing on astroturf but it was grass wasn't it if I, if it was I like right. three it was like three g right um but I, I remember having the tights on and and, and ripping myself a bit whatever anyway but, uh, you know, there was a few ladders up them tights but now that was you know again for a great cause and i know that andrew had a, a lot to do with that and everybody else who, who put that together um, that was great fun. We, we had a had a great time and we got proper humps, but, uh, but it was fun. <laughs> By the way, James Greaves won't mind me saying this, but the rumours was before it that James had trials with uh, St Mirren uh, back in the day, and quickly after about five minutes, you were like, "No, he didn't." That's <laughs> to be the Paisley Panda, to be the boy in the mascot suit, maybe. <laughs> maybe. But him and, him and Derek Sneddon were, they were the opposing captains, which was a nice touch at the time as well, because I, I think Derek was still riding for Edinburgh at the time as captain. Yeah. And I think James had just retired, so it was a nice touch that they were both um, kind of captains. Derek was useless as well. He was never a footballer, <laughs> never a footballer in his life. But. Um, it was uh, that. That was uh, that was a good day. We raised quite. We raised a lot of money then as well for that kind of thing. I, I think everybody kind of put their hands in their pockets. It was a it was a great thing to do and a great thing to be part of. Uh, it was decent wee crowd turned up as well. Like Glasgow and Edinburgh fans as well. So it was good. It was a good day. Yeah, it's just a shame the Glasgow fans didn't have much to to shout about because <laughs> we get absolutely humped. <laughs> I think Ashfield. The Ashfield Bar provided the strips as well. 
and I think most of the Edinburgh boys are like, who we get, who's provided the strips? Are they going to have a couple of ringers for the Ashfield Bar? You're just a bit careful in the old 50-50s for the first couple of minutes <laughs> to see who was actually playing. Well, uh, I, remember, uh, yeah. I remember the, the, the talk afterwards, um, you know, when we got pretty well humped. We were like, right, we'll have the return leg in Berwick. And Flinty was saying, oh, we'll get Johnny Thurben, who, who plays for Berwick Rangers. You know, we were we were proper planning a, a retaliation. Um, and, and it never came to anything. But, uh, what? But Flinty now, thought he was still playing rugby <laughs> during that game, I think. <laughs> That's how he plays football. He, he literally tackles with his shoulder somewhere around your sort of knees. <laughs> and, like, that's him playing football. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, another question we got on uh, it wasn't a question actually it was John Lindman um, who'd said many thanks to you obviously you brought him over to the UK uh, I was there for the one of the practices one of John's first practices at Berwick uh, and I remember him getting told before he went out like maybe give yourself a couple of laps <laughs> maybe he didn't listen either the, it didn't translate very well into Swedish but it went about um, he was he was nuts, if I remember right. He was, you say he was nuts, but it impressed me massively when he when he went out and pressed and practiced. And, and the first bend at Berwick before we've adjusted it, was, you know, it was very narrow going in, but very fast. And I, I think I said to him, right, dude, just, you know, take it easy going in there the first few times. And he came out the fourth bend absolutely flat out. Put his leg back and just tipped it in, and I was like, "Ah, oh, you'll do for me," um, you know. But he, he was, to be honest, John Lindman was a great lad, and I wish that we could have given him a bit more time. We were in a in a funny position there, really. Um, Redco were dropping Theo Piper, and Theo Piper's average was just an absolute gift for how good he was at Berwick. And John was was finding it really really tough going, but he started going fairly well at home. And we were we were just in that horrible position where you're just like, right, you know, if, if we're going to do anything this season, if we're going to be anywhere in the league or anything, then we're going to have to get dominant at home. And and unfortunately, John was a victim of that. And, uh, you know, I, I hate that side of Speedway dropping and stuff. And to be honest, I kind of almost found a loophole with it um, to use a bit of a squad system. And I did I did mention that to, to John's manager at the time. And um, when Theo was away doing long track as it happened we didn't miss Theo for many meetings but the plan was when Theo was away if John wasn't in our one to seven that was the same year that they brought in that he could use unattached guests so we were hoping to be able to still give John some meetings when Mm -hmm. Theo wasn't there but I know that the you know there's heavily against the squad system thing in Speedway which you know, I don't know whether I agree with it or not, but uh, but yeah, it, it was a bit of a tough one for John to to become the victim of that one because he was a great lad and he was coming on really really well at Berwick. I mean, you know, he was, he was pretty worrying away from home um, on some of the tricky tracks that he'd never seen before. But I, you know, I've seen a lot of people <laughs> go to the likes of Edinburgh um, and places like that and, and not get round the first time. So I'm sure the second time round he would have done good. But uh, but no, he was a great lad and um, just the shit side of speedway when you've got to got to make decisions that, that can potentially sort of ruin somebody's season. But, uh, you know, Theo came in and done a marvellous job and we only just missed out on the playoffs because of that. So, so you know, as far as it being a, a good move to Berwick, it, it kind of was, but it was it was sad to to see John go. But, uh, but no, he was, he was a goer, man. I loved his style. He had, he had a proper <laughs> hang, hang off it, leg back style. Great to watch. But... And is that something that kind of is a, 
a source of pride for you, Scott. You look at the Berwick teams the last couple of years, and I mean, I think John is the only person that Berwick have ever dropped. And I don't mean that in a nasty way, but I think any other changes have been injury brought in and, and even going into what would have been the 2020 team. Now, the 2021 team, it's it's six guys and, and Kev Duon's retired, so he's replaced and that's the only signing. Is that kind of part of it? Is that a, a source of pride that, that people know if you get a chance at Berwick, you're going to get a chance? Absolutely. It is by design. You know, we learned some rough lessons in 2017, chopping and changing the team and the changes that we made in 2017, they, they did work for the long-term good of the club. You know, David Howe was there for a few years. Jai Etheridge has, has gone from sort of just finding his feet to being one of our top guys now. Um, you know, we we were hasty in, in making those changes because we really wanted to do well in our first season. Um, you know, dropping Liam Carr was was another tough one. I, I didn't I didn't like doing that, but... You know, Liam was having a really, really rough time. He, he just wasn't digging it. He wasn't enjoying it. And, and David Howe became available. And it was a, it was like, oh my God, if, if we don't snap David up, you know, we're, we're going to like be be in a in a tough position. And I think, I think that kind of wears on you. And, and the thing is, even though the fans might demand quick changes, we gave them it that year. We 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 put a you know a foundation together with with a few of those guys that have got us through the last few years. And, um, you know, we do take great pride in that. I, I've never been a fan of threatening people with the job to get going better. I think it's such a shit form of motivation. Um, you know, I, I would far rather give people the time to get things right. And like I say, you know, we did make our mistakes in, in the early days. And, and even, you know, dropping John was a tough one. But, but you know, after that, you know, we, we said, right, let's, you know, if, if we have the confidence in the boys that we signed at the beginning... It, you know, you you can't be just disposing of them straight away if they have a few few bad matches. And I think when you stick with the boys, when they are having a rough spell, they repay you tenfold because the commitment that you get off them on and off the track is, is it's good. It's it's loyalty. It's a it's a two way street, isn't it? And um, you know, we've made our mistakes with that one, but but certainly at the moment where we're at now is uh, it's by design, and we we want to reward that loyalty to the boys by by giving them sort of secure team spots and. Uh, and, and sort of representing the, the same ethics that we try and bring to the club, you know? It's not easy, but it's what we try to that's do. What's, that's what I was going to say there, Scott. It's, it's part of the ethos of the club, isn't it? That it's basically... It's a... It, it's a... I don't want to say family. That's that's the kind of wrong kind of word, but you get what I mean by that. By uh, when you come into Berwick, there you are actually welcome. I know that myself from working working with yourself kind of behind the scenes. It is a kind of you're welcome with open arms. You're one of the boys straight away, and it, it takes a lot to get discarded for that. If truth be told, it, it would take something ca- catastrophic to happen for you to be kind of washed away with that. One of the best examples is obviously someone who's you're you're very close with his left or shores, unfortunately, is Kev Dillon. I mean, he just encapsulated what everything that Berwick was all about. He loved it. He was I love Kev. He's, he's obviously come on the podcast. He's had many a beer with Kev as well, just shooting the breeze, probably not talking about Speedway that much. But he was just a guy that just one just loved Speedway, like yourself, just enthusiastic about the sport. Kev loved anything with two wheels of truth be told, but he just loved it. He just would he was just he would do anything for Berwick to be successful. He would and and you know, he's he's just he's speedway through and through. I was gonna say he's Berwick through and through, but every club that he rode for he, he gave the same commitment. We were just very fortunate that 
when he first came over here, um, obviously with Bellevue and, you know, Jason Lyons opened a few doors with him and stuff. And, and you know, after he left Bellevue, he kind of had to, to, to learn the hard way, you know, and bring himself up from sort of getting dropped by Bellevue and building his career back up. And I think he just valued things so different because of the, the way all that stuff happened early in his career. Um, and, and I think that he just thought, you know, that the life that he wanted to live was to be a speedway rider. He, the freedom that I was talking about before when you, you know, you're going around, you're learning, you're doing your bikes, you're, you're experiencing all that stuff. And Kev lived that for, for a long time and done really, really well for that. And, and what he brought to Derek was all those correct values in that sense. And, you know, he, he would influence people, you know, his, his influence on Derek will, will live on because, you know, we, we were all there whilst he was doing what he was doing and the younger guys like Leon Flint and Jai and, you know, they'll all, all carry forward what, what Kev brought to the table. But I mean, it'll be a massive miss, but, you know, I said to him jokingly on, on the messenger, you know, when he left, I was like, oh my God, it, you know, it felt like a, felt like a death when you left i was like oh my god and then i realized i could just phone him you know <laughs> he's, he's, he's still alive um, but, uh, but no you know it, it was a you know as a friend you know off the track as well you know he was just so committed to to what we were doing um you know when he could see things were difficult for us behind the scenes he he just dug in you know and and if we wanted a an opinion you know that that you know, however he seen things, he would tell us. You know, and uh, he was just so committed to what we were doing that, you know, if he if he flagged anything up, then we would discuss it. But you know, the the one one of the sort of best examples is when our team managed and and he was the captain. We barely spoke during a meeting because we didn't need to. We we almost communicated with facial signals. You know, we'd like raise our eyebrows. <laughs> or he would nod his head one way or the other, and you know that that's kind of how we we worked. And then you know we would come back to mine and watch a Grand Prix afterwards and have a debrief. Then you know rather than sort of get into it. But he was you know he was never given any favorable um, treatment either. And that's the thing about Kev. Like I say, his his values from from learning the way that he did and in his early part of his career are just phenomenal um you know big shoes to fill but you know what aaron's a great captain um you know the likes of jai and leon you know they, they've all spent time with kevin there and and they'll they'll be there to, to to step up their game when it's time and obviously scott you know we we, we can hear you're a, a pretty positive guy we're we're going into 2021 now hopefully all that shit's behind us for 2020 and we can look forward Obviously, we've, we've said we're not getting into the, the ins and outs and averages and politics, but as we sit here, we're hopefully four months to go till the start of the season. Are you positive that British Speedway's got a good and big year ahead? I am. I think I think whenever we can get going, I, I think I'm, I'm still in that that mindset of, um, you know, we can't disrespect the virus because, you know, it, it's it's running rampant at the moment. I think there's there's, there's a lot of positivity with the vaccine around. Um you know, it, it, it's mixed feelings. I, th I think the best that we can do is be prepared, as prepared as we possibly can be to, to rock and roll when it's time. Um, you know, whatever date that particularly may be, I, I know that people have been thrown around the, the beginning of May. Um, that would be fantastic if, if that is going to be the, the, you know, what actually happens. Um, at the end of the day, Speedway will get going again when we can. Um, and, and I know that there's so many clubs, so many fans, so many riders that are, that are champing at the bit. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see Speedway this year. I really am. I think I've, I've kind of sort of worked back through my calendar and I've looked at when the last possible date would be that we would run playoffs, you know, 
acknowledge a few rain-off dates and semi-finals and, and almost backfill the, the, the calendar opposed to think, right, we'll start in, in May and try and make sure that we get a, a full season in. But I think we've got a few unique sort of situations with, with Speedway. You know, we, like Berwick's, like our, our stadium capacity is 5,000. And on our good good nights, we get over 1,000. And on our bad nights, we get less than that. But my point is that we can space people out very comfortably within the stadium. And I think we've got three or four different entrances to the stadium. I know not everybody's in, in that position, but I think I don't know any stadiums that would struggle to take their average crowd safely at the moment. Um, and, and I think if, if we could... If we could put that forward, you know, I can't see indoor activities happening as soon as I can outdoor. I, I think outdoor stuff will happen sooner. Um, and with that in mind, I think we qualify really well. I mean, we want bigger crowds, but, you know, realistically, to base things on our average, I think we could we could comfortably space people out and, and still run Speedway. And I think we probably could have last year as well, really. But it was just, you know, it's it's easy to look back on what, what could have been. Um, but at the end of the day as long as everybody gets there safe as long as we can all enjoy our speedway together that's really what matters the most absolutely um another thing that you're obviously passionate about and uh, obviously a lot of the guys down at Berwick were passionate about about getting up and running uh, was the duns training academy which obviously is built up for the ground the ground up and you've got it going you spoke about it briefly earlier on uh, about having a go up there yourself, Greg Blair, his message is on uh, Instagram saying are you looking to put on some racing at Duns this year? I would be shocked if you told me anything, anything different, Scott. To be honest. Well, so when it comes to actual racing at Duns, or or whether he means like practice, like practice or whatever, I think. yeah, like you know, we'll, we'll be rocking around as soon as we can be. I mean, like, I mean, there wasn't a great deal happened in 2019 up at Duns, unfortunately. Um, when I took a step back from the Berwick thing, I really had to take a bit of a step back from from everything. Really, it, it's just so consuming, and I really had to focus back in on on my own business and, and to to regroup and figure out where I can be of use to to all the projects, you know. And um, you know, Grant Henderson's a big a big part of Duns, and I'd said to Grant, you know, I I, I still want to do my bit for Duns. Um, I need to have a think about what I can do. Um, and I committed to to sort of being able to run sort of one session per month, but being able to prepare that session as well. And um, the likes of Tony Flint and Kev and, and a few of the other guys helped out this year. So so we got the track back to a good standard. We got a vehicle up there to, to help do the track. You know, we've like you say, we've built it from the ground up. And, and, you know, we had a lot of help at the beginning from a lot of people like yourself and, and Derek doing the stuff with the, the motocross bike fundraising and uh, the raffle with that. And, you know, it, it it's there and and it's a fantastic place we built the track you know so that it was a lot of fun to ride and when people come and they have a go they really enjoy the shape of the track and and that's that's where your grassroots is you know if, if british speedway wants a, a clue how to how to figure out where the future comes from then then it's it's right it's those places it's the real grassroots you know it's not sort of just a case of sticking a british rider in every team of course that's going to help things but the very beginning of the sport is, is you know, the first step on the ladder. And Speedway has never been great for, for being able to entice new people who don't know anything about the sport to come and have a go. Um, it's very unique in that sense. You can go to a bike shop and buy a motocross bike, but you can't buy a Speedway bike. Um, and, and, you know, it's a very niche thing in that sense. But, but we want to 
sort of focusing on on inspiring people to come and have a go at speed rate duns and uh, yeah to answer Greg Greg's question we'll be we'll be going as soon as we can be but but that's one of the things about duns as well isn't it Scott the fact that the motocross tracks right next to it it creates curiosity amongst guys that are racing motocross and we're now starting to see that with uh, Mason Watson who was the, the who rode motocross at Duns, but had an interest in the fact that the, the Speedway track was there. We've seen he had signed with Armadale this year. I've actually seen him ride. He looks a very, like, i seen Kev out working with him. Looks as if he's got a bit of potential about him. Definitely looks as if he could make his way up. But that's the thing about that. If there's the, the interest there from guys who are racing a different form of motorcycle sport, who, especially motocross at Duns, there is that opportunity there to go, hey, are you good in a motorcycle? With all of it, you can make a career out of this if you don't make it in that. Absolutely. And, you know, Mason's a great example. He's a great lad. He's a talented lad. And he's picked up Speedway really, really quickly. Um, you know, being up there and, and the one thing about the Speedway that the boys instantly sort of think, oh, wow, this is great. Like motocross is, you know, I love all my bike racing, road racing, motocross, the whole lot. It's very, very hard to earn a living doing motocross unless you are heavily sponsored and you're in, you're in the top sort of you know echelon echelon of, of, of motocross really in, in britain or around the world whereas speedway you, you can make a living you know i was speaking to to joe jacobs a little while back you know he he was talking about you know his his riding days and stuff like that and you know i said to him when you're riding in two leagues and you, you're doing okay if you take care of your own kit, I know it's not easy to tune your own engines and stuff, but if, if you were to do that, you'd, you'd, you'd probably be able to to make a, a good living, you know, um, mm-hmm. much better than what you can at any other type of bike sport, certainly at the sort of semi-pro level. Um, and I think, it, you know, having Dunn's there and, and sorry, Dunn's motocross there next to the, the Speedway training track, you know, we haven't really fully executed it to its potential, but... I think, um, you know, I remember chatting with Tommy Syke. You know, Tommy was instrumental in, in helping build the place. You know, and Tommy said to me a few times, you know, you need to rein it in a little bit because it maybe isn't going to be exactly what you want it to be from day one. Um, you know, and, and for me, that was, yeah, it, it's a harsh truth. You know, sometimes you've mm-hmm. got to build these things up. Um, I just wanted the whole thing to happen quick. Um, the quicker it happened, the better, really, because... It, it was a pretty costly affair to put the whole thing together. And like I say, if it wasn't for a lot of help from a, a lot of other people, then then it probably would never have happened. But, um, but no, it's it's a fantastic little thing. But, you know, like I say, that's that's where your your first step on the ladder comes from. Um, and, and to get a few more places like that around the country. Um, you know, the, the way you're speaking there, Scott, um, I don't think that comebacks out of the question quite yet. There was a, a gaunt there in your voice as you're talking about how fun that Duns track is. If we, if we get that up to a standard to be in a league, you take on the mantle as number one. <laughs> well, I'm wide enough that I maybe wouldn't get past it out in front. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it really is a training track. It's, um, I mean, we, we could do amateur stuff there um, and we could, we could do the youth stuff. I know that Neil Batcher, um, who does a great job with the youth stuff? He's expressed an interest in, in being able to come and, um, you know, maybe do some some kind of youth rounds uh, at Duns. You know that that's a possibility for the future. But uh, but yeah, no, nah, uh, don't worry about me making a comeback. But it, it would be <laughs> cool to to get a bit of racing going up there. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Just to speak about the fact. So so just think about to Beric. Uh, obviously, you're involved and heavily involved with uh, with your with your brother. Um, 
what's it like to be involved uh, with your family and something that obviously you're both heavily uh, invested in, but also you're both both two of the most enthusiastic people I've ever met in my life. But sometimes, obviously, you get different ideas or get the same idea about a different way to go about it. How difficult is that? Obviously, it's it's your brother, and you can be open and honest with one another, and and maybe things don't go your way one time, but they do the next. Is it is it ever came between you in any way, or is it what what what's it like? It, it's fine. I mean, we're we're really really close. You know, we we are. I mean, we we kind of we always have been, apart from when we were really young and we would fight like cat and dog. Um, but you know, we we can we can disagree and we can think about things. And you know, I think uh, I think we've just learned through the years. You know, where our strengths and weaknesses are. Um, we we often joke and say that together we'd have made one good rider between us because he can make starts <laughs> and I like ride around the outside. <laughs> so um, you know. We get along, we, we agree, we we disagree, but, you know, we don't fall out, we don't go and huffs with each other. Um, you know, the days of having fistfights have, have pretty much gone, I think. Uh, so so now we, we, we get along great. And, you know, it, especially over the over the last year, you know, myself, Flinty, Stevie Jews, you know, we'll, we'll all jump on, on, a, on a conference call and, and we'll all just sort of spill our ideas out and, and we'll all dissect them. And this is one thing that the COVID thing has, has given us, the lockdown time has given us is the the sort of benefit of being able to weigh things up without the pressures of running every single week. Um, and, and we like to think that, that when we do get going, Berwick Speed will be in a good place for it. Um, you know, but, you know, back to, to me and my brother, now we're, we're as close as ever. Um, and, and, you know, we, like I say, we, we agree and disagree about some things, but, but now nah, it's a good dynamic. A lot, of, a lot of positivity coming out of coming out of that there, Scott, and that's what we like to hear. Um, I think we might need to rebrand this one. I don't know if we can get away with this under the bite-sized banner. Um, <laughs> I don't know about yourself, Mr. Fame, but it's been an absolute pleasure um, to just go and just get that that kind of background. And I guess you know maybe from a, a different side of the sport and that kind of mix of X rider into promoter into junior sort of speedway and putting that forward and. And kind of master all trades, I would say. Well, I don't know about master. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack of all trades, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely, Scott. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Talk Speedway podcast. Thanks for your time, mate. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Um, you know, it, it's been fun, and uh, we'll hopefully get a, a beer in real life soon, and we can we can maybe do a, a live show one day where we uh, just do it together rather than on on Zoom. But uh, once this COVID buggers off, we can get together. Absolutely, that sounds like a great idea. Cheers, Scotty. Talk Speedway. Talk Speedway.